0: For Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom Podcast Network with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's king of the geeks, designated driver, mouth runner, but probably uh, fandom's slowest binge watcher. <laughs> Here's where we deliver Doctor Who conversation, facts, views, banter, and whatever else comes out now in the 60th anniversary year on our free speaking, big thinking, eclectic show for everyone. That's whatever decade or century you started watching, reading, or listening along to the ongoing adventures of our hero, Doctor Who. We talk about it all on this show. All views are encouraged, and there could even be a few laughs along the way. So come and step into our TARDIS and share this journey together here with us on Type 40. The time, everybody, is now. The diamond anniversary, it's on and uh, i wonder is it too early to start celebrating i'm gonna i've got the perfect person to ask come to think of it we're going to bring on our guest in a couple of minutes but i think that uh, simon Horton, of all the people i know he's the one that's most likely to have started celebrating already
1: well hello everybody have i started celebrating well yeah i guess i have isn't it funny how the 60th year is finally here and we're kind of getting used to these celebrations now. It literally only seems like five minutes ago that I was sitting in a cinema watching the 50th anniversary special. And here we are 10 years later. I was like, where did the time go to? So, so you know, we Doctor Two fans, we like to celebrate and we? we like those celebrations ever since the 10th anniversary really, with The Three Doctors, which I remember watching on on TV at the time. And we just love a celebration. We love to mark it, don't we? So, yeah, I've started celebrating. Of course I have.
0: I suppose if if they hadn't have taken that decision to broadcast The Three Doctors, it might have been a completely different kettle of fish by now because that idea of legacy may not have set in. Uh, Anniversaries may not have been something that it would have been deemed not appropriate, but not necessary to mark on a show that was still predominantly aimed at kids.
1: Yeah, it's very possible, isn't it? You know, we've got Barry Letts and Terrence Sticks to thank for that. And if they hadn't done that, would we be marking anniversaries in quite the same way? No, maybe
0: not. There's no one that I know, Simon, that's more passionate about getting as much Doctor Who in front of people's eyes in retelling those enduring stories from the classic era in particular you know all the efforts of people like David Whitaker, Donald Cotton, Terence Dix, Barry Letts, Robert Holmes, Christopher Bailey and, and everybody else, stretching right up to Russell T Davis, Stephen Moffat, Jamie Matheson, everyone there's no one who's more forgetting as much of it out there in as many formats as we can than you. You really believe in the power of these stories don't you?
1: Absolutely, 100 percent. As I've always said, Doctor Who is far more than just a TV program, which is why I get really annoyed when people say, why do you take this so seriously? It's only a TV program. No, 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 this is not only a TV program. It's anything but. For people like us, it is, let's be brutally honest, it's, it is a way of life, isn't it? It is for me. Surely it is for you as well, Dan.
0: I think so. I Seriously, I think the show, in fact, I know it saves lives. Yeah, I know that it informs people in a moral sense sometimes it's it's an escape from the everyday it's it's a companion to their to their lives and something yeah. that people do do together I mean even now in an age where everybody's got a screen in their pocket on a smartphone or, or a tablet or whatever else still I think there's a kind of shared viewing experience to Doctor Who mm-hmm. and all the iconography speaks for itself really Mm-hmm. Outside of any actor, and certainly any member of any production team that's associated with it, I mean, recently we had we had some some uh, photographs, didn't we, of the show out being filmed, and no actors had even appeared on this hillside. But as soon as that TARDIS prop was in place, there was a uh, Gareth Davies, and many other photographers were out there slapping away because it's an important cultural milestone. It's even more curious, really, when you when you look at that in context, you realise that there's no singular location. Where the nostalgic, the curious, or the addicted like us can go, even in the streaming age that we're in now, and we can we can sort of veg out, keep one hand or one finger on the hoofa doofa, and motor through all of Doctor Who history. I think that's a really curious thing that stands out in the twenty first century.
1: Yeah, truth be told, of course, I have digested my Doctor Who over the years in bits and chunks. You know, I came to Doctor Who in 1972 with uh, season uh, eight. Uh, And then, of course, I, I watched it religiously right the way through to the end. But then as time went on, midway through the 80s, I started to then access stuff that I'd never seen before on VHS, the scenes of death, the Daleks, all that kind of stuff that suddenly the black and white stuff that started to come out. There was the Five Faces season in 1981 that dipped into the series past yeah. as well. In very much the same way that the TARDIS works, i dipped in and out of history along the route um, and taken little pockets of it and watched bits and pieces there, an odd episode here, a whole story there. And so I've certainly never sat and sort of watched from an unearthly child up to date. I've, something I've never ever done.
0: It was like putting a puzzle together, wasn't it? It was, it was like subscribing to a part work, but you'd get it out of order. Yeah. <laughs> so the tapes or how you'd catch it on UK. Or even, or even
1: Target books that you'd be reading, Target books, obviously, <laughs> yeah. by Terence Dixon and, and, and others, that are, of stories that you would never see in your entire life, let alone even some of the stuff we can watch now, other stuff. We, Marco Polo, for example, we simply can't ever see. And so those target books were also a way into a show. And, and as you say, it was, a, it was a puzzle. It was just putting all those blocks together and forming a hole in your mind of what Doctor Who was.
0: You know what I've never forgiven WH Allen for? As much as I love the target books, the numbering on the spines of the targets. <laughs> that confused me that confused me for years but of course we do have these streaming platforms now and uh, particularly the bbc has the iplayer and uh, just in the last few weeks russell t davies the past and present showrunner of doctor who he's hinted that every single episode of doctor who the entire legacy could well end up on bbc iplayer in fact he seems pretty confident about it but this is what he said exactly when speaking to the sunday times in early january He said, uh, you make all of the back catalogue available, first on iPlayer. I can't swear that will happen, but there are contracts. It's our heritage, it deserves to be there so kids can fall in love with Doctor Who like they love Friends. I was really struck by that because successive generations of kids now really latch on to the uh, American sitcom Friends. But because it's all there on Netflix and they can motor through it, it's got this big cultural relevance after nearly 30 years. It's not an unfair parallel to draw, is it? And to wonder, why isn't all of Doctor Who there or here or somewhere?
1: Well, it's something that has always amazed me. And as I've always said many, many times, the BBC have never understood what they've got with Doctor Who. And the fact that it isn't all available out there, I think, again, sort of speaks volumes with regards to that. They just don't understand the love that is out there for this show. And so and that everybody does want it to be as accessible as possible. It just is something unlike for example an episode of EastEnders, it's something that you want to watch and rewatch and rewatch again. Yeah, why is the BBC never made the whole block available and now in the sixtieth year, now would be the prime time with streaming as popular as it is to do it?
0: an ideal time and an ideal point i think to bring on our guest lifelong doctor who fan andy fairclough he's joined us for this one what do you think about this Andy? is it well past time that all of doctor who was available in exactly the same way that russell says
2: i think so yes yeah with iplayer i'm not sure whether whether it's going to grab the kids there's always a bit of a thing that the bbc and iplayer and things it's for older viewers uh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. on disney plus and netflix and everything else but yeah If it's going to go anywhere, it has to go on iPlayer, doesn't it? And and it certainly makes it easier for those who are no doubt going to be engaged by what Russell's going to bring to the table. Millions of people back to Doctor Who, which is what we want, Then people will know where to go. And the attention span, I don't know, the attention span of kids these days, the press of a button to be able to find a classic Tom Baker or something like that, it's got to be done, hasn't it?
1: (laughs) But also, there's, there's always been that disgruntlement, hasn't there, amongst fandom whereby... We, we all kind of took the opinion of, hold on, we paid through our license fee to get these programs. <laughs> Why are we now having to pay to buy them back again, for example, on VHS, DVD, Blu ray? So, at least by putting them on the BBC platform of iPlayer, you are saying, look, okay, yeah, you did pay for these to be made. And so here they are. You, you, you get mm-hmm. to see them again, which I think is the correct thing to do.
2: Yeah, it's high time, and and it's a good time to do it, so,
0: yeah. Perfect time for the 60th anniversary. We don't know what they've got in store. Maybe this will actually happen. I don't know. I think Russell T. Davis has a way of, even though he is such a powerful figure in the TV industry, so respected, and and a creative powerhouse too, he does seem to know how the general British public, not just Doctor Who fans, I think he understands us too, but I think he understands how the British public relate to entertainment. And how realistic things are. I mean, in the same in the same piece, he was talking about radical things like taking all the soap operas down to two showings a week and things like that. You know, absolute heresy. Not that wow. long ago, <laughs> all those episodes, all those stories, all those all those seasons, you know, all the, everything stretching back to 1963. Mm-hmm. You can understand why, realistically, if you want to remove eliminate the barriers between classic and new, and the all new that's coming up. Make it as seamless, make it as effortless. Take the work out of it for them, Andy. That's that's what I think.
2: If, if something can be done easily, it will be done. If it's too much trouble, some a lot of people won't bother. So,
0: mm-hmm. obviously, this can't happen soon enough. In your case, because we know you're, I think you're you're pretty deep into your challenge for the anniversary year already, aren't you? So, you know, that, this needs to have happened a little sooner to benefit you. But maybe they'll manage to do it by the time you get, I don't know, to a certain point. We're going to come to all that in a couple of minutes. But in the meantime, if you'd like to do some real-time travelling of your own each and every edition of this show past present and future is just a tap or two away on the device of your choice if you know where to look there's well over 100 now reviews previews interviews geek outs and deep dives with all our regulars and some pretty awesome guests in fact we know there's something for every fan over at type40.podbean.com. There'll be more about that a little later on, as well as a couple of minutes where we will make contact with that matrix of all knowledge that we call the Fandom Podcast Network for a word about all the other cult conversations going on across that family of podcasts over there. That's that's all cleared up. Right, Uh, we can't conjure up every episode of Doctor Who on the iPlayer just like that, sadly. But we can get together with Andy here and compare notes on how he is revisiting the series long history that's coming up right now. Here we are in the digital age, just as Russell said there and expectations are different. And so are viewing habits. The, uh, the term intellectual property, as cold as it may sound to some of us, and, and the notion of franchise, it's kind of become a dirty word too. But <laughs> in some ways, it's a good thing. It shows that, I think it shows that a property like Doctor Who has achieved this sort of greater relevance and a brand of almost immortality, I suppose, more than just a commodity. But where does that leave the, the cosy, tea-time feels of yesterday. Can those days in front of an old CRT watching four, three ratio images, can that be recreated or even bettered here in 2023 and beyond using modern streaming platforms and augmented too by the modern miracle that is social media. And you've set about your own challenge, haven't you? Over the last couple of months? Explain to us what you're doing and and precisely why. Why now?
2: It just so happened to fall in that way that I was going to start doing. What I wasn't really consciously thinking of the 60th when I started it. I just thought, it's about time I did this again. So without any further ado, what I'm doing at the moment is watching every single episode of Doctor Who from an unearthly child right up to where we're at the moment, which is the power of the Doctor. This is my fifth Doctor Who marathon all the way through so um, I started on the 11th of January, very excited, pick up something new every time. Some stories I'm more familiar with than others, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I really enjoy doing it this way. Takes me about, generally, takes about two and a half years. You know, if you can somehow manage to watch two episodes a night, four times a week, takes about two and a half years. obviously Andy, it
0: says- you've mentioned you've done this before several times, yeah. and you've even made notes about all the times that you've done it? And do you make notes of how many episodes you watch in a given day? And well, then, I've write... got my, my trusty old
2: book I've had here for 40 odd years, which I'm sure yeah. you yeah. Know, I recognize. And I, I just write in the cover there. I just scribble down marathons. So my, my first one was with a scrappy pile of videotapes. I didn't have yes. them all. Um, my son at that time was four years old, so 1999. And I said, I said to so myself, we had no dream of Doctor Who coming back. Four's a good mm-hmm. age to start, isn't it, for Doctor Who? Yeah, it. that's when so I nice started, so
1: round about there.
2: And uh, it, funnily enough, it took us to go through all these old videotapes. We weren't watching it in any kind of ambition of certain numbers. I didn't have them all then. It was, do you remember, uh, again, those old fan copies you used to get of people yeah. through the post and you could hardly <laughs> see the pictures, but I had videotapes. So it took us six years <laughs> and we finished, I'm not joking, We finished my first ever Doctor Who marathon a week before Rose was broadcast.
0: This mirrors almost exactly my experience too. I was a father, a new father, around that time too, and of course I set about bringing my child into the world of Doctor Who. Who wouldn't? So this is the Doctor Who program guide. The first there was two volumes wasn't there? But specifically the first one dealt with the programs, didn't it? When was this published, Simon? 81
1: just after Legopolis the end of Legopolis or around about the time of the end of Legopolis and i can still remember walking into W H smiths and just seeing these two uh, unannounced uh, on the on the W H smiths bookshelf I had no idea these were coming out and it was just like fireworks going off in my brain <laughs> it was a book that had everything in right up to the end of Legopolis it was just literally mind blowing to find this, and in the kind of detail that we'd never, ever seen before, because at that point, of course, the weekly, uh, had not long-term, monthly, and so it was still fairly new, and so they were very, very, very far down the list of, of sort of chronicling all of the uh, the television stories up until that point. So the facts still remain, when I was reading this programme guide, as we all were, there was stuff in there that none of us knew anything about, uh, stories that, that we'd never even heard of. So it was. this was big league stuff to get these two programme guides in 80-watt. In, uh, it came took around.
0: me years to track down the second one, but I remember when I... It was a similar experience. I went into WH Smith's. I saw the, the first volume of the programme guide, and what attracted me, Andy, was on the back cover there's a sentence that says... All the Doctor Who stories in one book. For brilliant! I haven't got to worry about trying to work out which comes which book <laughs> comes after what and tracking down all those paperbacks. They're already up to over hundred on, on the spine, the numbering on the spine. Then i c I've just got it all in this one book. I thought yeah. that would I thought that would satisfy me, Simon. That would be the only Doctor Who book that I would ever need from that point on. How wrong was I? <laughs> it only made <laughs> me worse. It opened it all up. So this book's been indispensable to you, Andy, and this is what you go back to. You make notes inside, you say?
2: It's pretty much about the only book that I've got from those days. You know, as as we all did, had our wobbles over the years. I sold all my Target novels. Me too. Yeah,
1: I did the same, Andy. I, I share your pain.
2: Yeah, but I kept this, and I've just found in here inside the index, I've actually written down all the Peter Davison stories. This is my writing from the early '80s, and the yeah, Sylvester really. McCoy's with a bit of tipex where they probably changed the running order. I actually, you know, added to this book. Probably the only thing I've got back from those days, and I and I still keep it going with my marathons inside the front cover.
0: So obviously, that book only goes up to Legopolis, doesn't it? There's been considerably yes. more Doctor yeah. Who since then, but that, that is still your tome of choice.
2: Not, well, not not really, I just, I just I just kept it going. And I, I've always got it on my shelf with my DVDs. And I've got, yeah. a few, I don't have masses of Doctor Who books, but I, I bought the complete history series. That's the only other real thing I've got and one or two others, but it's just always hanging around. And it, it, I still, I flick through it. And if I've got my DVDs are in the wrong order, I don't bother looking up on the internet. I'd go through this and say, oh, hang on. Yeah, the Romans, then it's whatever. And I, I shuffle them around according to this. So it's always it's always to hand.
1: I'm with you on this. I, I I don't have my original copy of it, sadly. Again, I just sold everything, um, or gave it all away to the charity shop. I can't remember, but it all went. Um, and so I've rebought them again now. But I agree with you. Actually, the number of times I still go back to that original program guide just to just to check. Oh, sorry. What what order were the stories in in, in season four? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'll just go and have a look. That's always my first tome of choice. Um, for those <laughs> years up until
2: Logopolis, still now.
0: Amazing. So, when you set about this, do you you've you've got a pace? You set yourself how many episodes was it per day?
2: I try to do. Uh, I, funnily enough, this goes back to my my friend Ian Levine, who you, you may touch on later. Who I've known for a couple of decades, and uh, he was the one that kind of said. I said, I, you know, when he when he first instilled it in me, the only way to watch Doctor Who is from start to finish. And he was the one who said. I said, well, how do you do it? And he said, "Well, I watch two episodes every every night." But I think he went seven nights a week before bed, two episodes a night.
0: Last thing he does. Oh, cool! Before bed.
2: Before yeah. bed. I think that's what he did. This was a few years ago. <laughs> I don't know if he still does it the same way. I, I tend to go Sunday to Wednesday, you know, two episodes a night, or w- once we get to the new series, one episode a night. Yeah, two and a half years or so, it's done. Then I go and watch something else for a year, come back and start it all over again.
1: <laughs> if time would allow, and of course it won't, it doesn't allow to do one episode. Because I, I I'm the same as you, Andy. If I'm watching Doc Two these days, I will always watch two episodes together, which is great to do because we have the opportunity to do that, and it's very indulgent to do it. But but there, it, it, it is a shame because of course we are destroying how the, the the way we used to watch it in the day, and and you know that that, that week seemed a very very. Oh, long. it was
2: crazy. It was yeah. It was it was it was awful sometimes to wait yeah a week for the next episode and then get yeah, a six parter would be forever. It felt like yeah. half your life. <laughs> yeah. Two episodes isn't bad. I know quite a few people go for the movie length thing and watch a whole story all at once. I, I no. You know we're, we're still maintaining that episodic feel by doing it in two chunks, aren't we? So we're half I agree. there.
0: <laughs> well the the intention they were never intended to be watched then they're not movies are they there's a, a no. certain artistry to at th- at their best I won't going I'm not going to say all 150 odd classic stories do this well but there is uh, an artistry to creating 25 minutes of television of, of serial adventure television for that specific demographic too that that blend of generations that Doctor Who I, I still think mostly uniquely serves we can spoil ourselves, can't we? With, with going at it sort of episode after episode after episode. It very much depends on the individual, I suppose. But I'm exactly the same as you two guys. If I watch more than two, I believe I'm spoiling myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of spoiling the story in kind of low-level disrespect in the original intentions. I don't know. You, you should sit with it for a little while.
1: Yeah, I think I think like a good wine, it has to be savoured. It is as simple as that, and you don't want to you don't want to, to consume it all in one go. And you're right, Dan. Those those episodes were very, very carefully constructed to work as twenty five minutes, which of course is why John Nathan Turner and Eric Sayward had such a hard time then converting it to single 50 minute episodes for season 22 because they realized actually yet yeah, they just work as half an hour as in that in that original classic format they just work it always used to amaze me you know as a kid i could never understand and it still surprises me now where 25 minutes came from <laughs> i don't know any other program on television in history certainly on bbc that it's 25 minutes long. Yeah, okay, they were always 25 minutes on ITV because they would have a five-minute break in the middle of it. But BBC, why were they so insistent that they were 25 minutes? Why not half an hour?
0: Do you think it was to do with news reports and sports bulletins and things tending to be like five minutes, ten minutes, little chunks here, weather, sport, news. You've got oh. all those things floating around, Andy.
2: I'm just trying to think where it used to slot in. Was it right after Grandstand? Because that would always finish at about 5.10 yeah. and, and it would be like 5.20, wouldn't it? It would always be like 5.20. The original oh, yeah.
1: intention, of course, was yes, to slot it between, as I recall, Grandstand and Jukebox Jury. Mm-hmm. So I can only assume when they were formulating it, that's where it was supposed to go. So I'm assuming that it was a twenty five minute slot. And and again I can remember when um once they scrapped the, the after season twenty two they scrapped these fifty minute episodes and they insisted it go back the programmers insisted it go back to twenty five minute slots. Again you kind of think, why didn't they then say, What is this archaic twenty five minute slot? Let's let's do it half an hour and <laughs> let's round it up. You you've got to wonder. One of the quirks of Doctor Who. Absolutely
0: obviously we are in 2023 and viewing habits do change and none of us are immune to the shortening of our attention spans so i was wondering andy would you confess to ever doing this because obviously on netflix and amazon where where they set the you know series after series you can binge watch modern day shows or anything they've got the rights to they give you the option don't they on those to uh skip or fast forward through title sequences and recaps to get to the juicy stuff Now if you're watching two or three episodes of something all in one do you ever do that do you ever fast forward through the uh, the opening titles of classic doctor who you We're getting deep, deeply personal now, aren't we?
2: <laughs> no, I don't fast-forward through the opening titles, but I must admit I, I only watch the closing titles of the last episode.
3: <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: But the, oh, other, the other main thing I do, fast-forwarding massively to New Who, I never, ever watch the new episode previews. I don't think I've seen one to this day. The pause button goes straight on as soon as it says next time. I honestly <sighs> don't think my son's the same. I don't think I've ever seen a next episode preview for anything from 2005 <laughs> to
1: this day. I, I agree with you on that one. Somebody was <laughs> saying recently that supposedly it was 2005 Doctor Who that introduced this whole idea of the next time trailer. And if it was, I cursed Russell T Davies to the ends of the world because it's just one of the worst <laughs> ones on television ever. And even now, not we're not talking about Doctor Who now. I'm talking about anything Broadchurch, happy valley whatever it might be i'm same as you andy i always just immediately turn off the tv or hit the pause button i don't want to see what happens next time i'll wait till next time for that if russell t davis if you came up with the
2: idea i'll never forgive you for it it's not doctor who but a very slight aside and if doctor Who ever did it i think i might switch off forever it's where you get a program a documentary or a drama series and they do that awful 30 seconds or a minute up front, which shows you pretty much everything that's going to
0: happen over the next hour. Andy, programs have been doing that since the 70s. I'm watching Columbo through all the way through for the very first time with Peter Falk. And they have a big chunk at the front where they they tell you a certain amount of the story in. And I do exactly the same. I sort of shut my eyes, put the thing on mute, go and do something else for a little while. And yeah, I, I can't abide it. Russell T Davies <laughs> didn't invent the next time thing. Ah. I, I saw it originally on the program Spooks, the, sort oh, of the okay. spy series on the BBC. That was the very first place that I saw it. You know what? I see entirely what you guys mean, but I think with populist television, there's a certain, yeah. I don't know, there's something about leaving, the way that a Cliffhanger did in the classic show, leaving people on a bit of a high and a, oh my God, I can't wait till the next one. I think by by having next time trailers, you retain that charm i can't wait to see what was that in the next time trailer what how they're going to get out of that oh my god that character's back that i think it's the same sort of thing when they had to lose the cliffhanger that's the nearest they could get to sort of having the same appeal and keeping it in the viewers mind for seven days does that convince you in any way simon <laughs> no, not remotely if
1: i i get i get what you're saying and i think if they were done differently if they if it was yeah. done in a really yeah fast cut, very fast edited montage without just any audio, just bang, 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 bang. That might actually pique my curiosity. Whereas actually giving you lines and, and showing parts of scenes, it's just ridiculous. And particularly in the case of Doctor Who, it just it literally becomes ridiculous because of course you've gone through all this effort to set up this, this cliffhanger that puts the Doctor or the companion in jeopardy. And then the next time trader just immediately says, But don't worry. It's fine. They're they're absolutely fine. (laughs) Whereas going back to what we were just talking about, that a week was a long time. When I was a kid, you genuinely felt afraid for the doctor and the companion. I genuinely I I don't think we had that sort of blasé attitude that everything was going to be okay, that the doctor would be all right next week. Sometimes you just weren't convinced that, that, that or, or, or certainly you didn't know how the doctor was going to get out of it um and that was part of the charm whereas just seeing the trailer that just says don't worry he does get out of it it just completely undermines the whole point of, of the cliffhanger it's as simple as that
0: have you ever done one of these marathons or set yourself this task of watching it all the way through, Simon? And is that exactly the way that Andy's described
1: No, no I'd absolutely love to do it. And I, and I really envy you, Andy, with doing it. No, the closest I have got to this um, is what I'm now doing, which is with the new Blu-ray box sets. What I will do is for the first time ever now, when a Blu-ray box set comes out, I will watch that. Obviously, I'm watching the actual season completely out of order within the scope of, of, of 60 Years of Who. But within the season itself, I will start at the beginning. I'll start at the Leisure High, for example, and I'll watch it right the way through in order yeah. up to Gopolis. And so I'm watching a season properly as it was meant to be seen in that year. And that's the first time, um, aside from obviously watching it live on transmission, That's the first time ever I've done that. And part of the charm of doing that is, again, what I'm actually doing for the first time ever is I'm watching, as I say, those seasons, at least within the season, I'm watching the stories in order. As I'm going through each story, I'm taking the time to do the kind of reading and research that I love doing. Um, that I wouldn't normally bother to do. So I'm going. You mentioned Andy, the complete collection, uh, the complete history. Sorry, the Panini book. I, I I will. So I'll watch the Leisure High, for example. And then I'll go and pull out everything I can find on The Leisure Hive. So, yeah, the complete history, the issue of InVision, the old issue issues of the magazine, uh, About Time, the, the great book by Lance Parkin uh, and Lawrence Miles, the location book, and I'll read about everything I can find to do with The Leisure Hive.
0: You immerse yourself in the time period, not just what's on screen, but everything that was going on around it as well, Almost, exactly. almost like a time capsule that you're opening up again.
1: Exactly, and i am mean, really enjoying doing that because, of course, in the past when I've read up about these stories, I've always read up about them when I haven't recently watched the story, but by doing this now with the Blu-rays, this is all fresh in my mind. So at the moment, for example, I'm just on Sharda from season 17, so I'm reading all the stuff about Sharda that i never read before, having literally just watched the, 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 the story, so everything that I'm reading makes sense, and I can, all oh, right, okay, now I get how that works. Yeah working and, and it's a brilliant way of doing it so that's I'm thoroughly enjoying doing that but that's obviously going to take me a lot longer than it is you Andy because you're in a bit of a marathon you're blasting them through aren't you
2: last time I did it which was hang on, uh, 2019 to 2021 I did I've written here all episodes plus the books so I did actually read the complete history for the first time in conjunction so what I was doing is I was watching Doctor Who in the evening uh and then at lunchtime or whatever I would read the complete history so yeah I've managed to squeeze that in so do the same
1: kind of thing as 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 me basically then in that
3: respect
0: yeah absolutely impressive so So when when is your target to finish this I I don't don't
2: really have one I I just know I just know from uh previous uh we're looking at just under three years so uh, it's always exciting to me the most exciting thing about starting it is because when you when you finish it whatever's current for Doctor Who is nothing like what will be current by the time you finish it. So I'm looking at finishing (laughs) probably the end of 2025. Who knows where we'll be then? Will we still have the same Doctor? Will Russell still be around? How much do you have to work your life
1: around this marathon? In that, are you absolutely... That is (laughs) it, I am watching the two episodes. Or, or, and so I don't care that, that that I'm supposed to be doing that tonight. No, I'm watching Doctor Who, and so nothing's stopping me.
2: Uh, me and my wife booked a holiday, which we just got back from, and that really annoyed me because I lost a week so early in starting <laughs> a new marathon. You know, very enthusiastic. Here we go, William Hartnell. Uh, you know, uh, I got through the Keys of Mariners, and then I've got off 2,000 miles away for a week. That did quite <laughs> a of I had a lovely time, but I know I'm going to... I know I'm going to slide here and there. So the eight weeks is a goal. Sorry, the eight episodes a week is a goal, but um, I'm not always going to do it. And so, what would happen if, for example, let's say
1: with with the Daleks, which is a seven part story, um, does that mean that you would you would watch episode seven of the Daleks and then episode one of of the Edge of Destruction, or do you wait <laughs> then until the following night? Like, you watch. Well, Edge I, I, it's of funny.
2: I can't remember what I've done before, but what I did this time, I, I must admit, I sneakily snuck in an extra episode. And I watched five, six and seven altogether. I
3: not
2: <laughs> I couldn't oh, I, I, I couldn't split stories no. in one no. no. You've you
1: got to watch <laughs> the end of as kind of a <laughs> thing. That it works so well. Yeah, you
2: can't yeah. You've got where well, you get the odd one. There's not too many of those, but yeah, you've got to you've got to compromise a bit there. <laughs>
1: Do you find do you find as you come do you find that you come up against stories that that, that I don't know, when you when you last did your marathon watch or when you first watched, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, you loved a story and now you just kind of think, no, you know what, I'm rewatching, I don't like that or vice versa. Do you learn to love stories that you didn't like at the time?
2: It's both really. Do you know what? The amazing thing with this is it changes every time, because every time you think, oh, I can be sick to death of this story. I can't. I can't remember now, but it's happened a couple of times. And like even some of my favourites, I thought, oh, I've just watched that, but I've not really taken it in. And then you think the next time you go around, you'll think, oh, I remember last time that I felt I'd overlooked that, so I'm really going to focus on it this time. But I, I, I love it all. So you always find something new to pick up. And yeah, some stories you're always less familiar with than others uh, because you haven't seen them as many as others, like ones you may not have had on videotape back in the day. Mm-hmm. still to me the reconstructions are absolute revelations they're definitely the stories I've seen the least I will watch them whatever format. I want on a big screen I sit there watching these reconstructed photographs on a hundred inch projector screen quite yeah. say but...
0: that was going to be my next question really how are you meeting the challenge of the missing episodes because we're very fortunate in the times that we live in that there's there's options aren't the some have been animated there are telesnaps available that put together by Loose Cannon and other people. There's the official audio releases too for the people who are who are happy just to take in the audio and, and maybe put the visuals themselves. There, depending on the kind of person you are and how you receive this and how you like to take in story, there are, there are more options now than there ever have been since these things were screened. We'd, we'd all love to have every episode back in the archives or reconstructed to the, to the best possible standards, but we are where we are. And so how do you choose which version to watch, or if you've got again a hard and fast rule, I am doing the recons, or I am listening to the audio. How, how do you come to that?
2: It, it, again, everybody's got their totally personal preference to this, haven't they? Mine is, I cannot do the animations. I can't. I don't get it. I can't do it. I know so many love them, and that's great, but I like to try and find something that's at least got the face of the uh, yeah. actors sets or as close to the set so for me it has to be the reconstructions all the way because I my imagination then can fill in the gaps if you like I you know I've seen probably the reconstruction of Marco Polo three or four times now and I actually feel sometimes I've seen that haven't I you know it's so good you feel like you've seen the episode because it was so well tele-snapped that one that by watching that reconstruction you can you can fill in the gaps for me, that's what it's all about. I can't lose myself in the animations to feel like I've seen the episode with reconstructions. I can. So it's an entirely personal choice. Yeah. I-
0: I had exactly the same experience with the exact same story. I suppose we just, we've just we got more photos for some stories than others, others haven't we, Simon? So, mm-hmm. And I suppose mm-hmm. it depends on how the story was written as well, that if it's particularly energetic and it if, if it's quite yeah. diverting, Marco Polo moves quite a lot, doesn't it? The story, story moves quite a lot in that.
1: Andy, I 100% spot on with you with this one. I struggle with the animations. I respect why they're doing them. I appreciate the, 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 the artistry and some of them. But for me, it will always be snap reconstructions because for, for me the animations just take me out of the episode they're just too distracting for me um, in that I, I, I'm i watching a gimmick at the end of the day it's somebody else's interpretation of it it's got colour in there that it shouldn't have often the animators will mess with backgrounds they'll change things. It. so it's not like watching the original it's, a,
0: it's a new production Simon yeah. in many respects
1: and, and, and that's right and i don't want that i'm with andy on this one i want the episode I, I want what i'm watching to look as close as i can possibly get it to how it would have looked on broadcast and that's photos and as inaccessible as some people would find that as opposed to animation for me it's it's telling snap reconstructions every time
0: i have also done a marathon andy and strangely enough i did it i commenced mine in 1999 i've only ever done it once in fact i started it with the pilot episode on new year's eve 1999 and i began the series proper on new year's day 2000 so this was before they announced the doctor who was coming back i didn't particularly have set myself a pace i hadn't long become a father myself funnily enough and I would I would go on to have a couple more kids. So it was around that time where I was starting a family, and I was working strange shifts too. So I would watch it 25 minutes, actually, in between some of the shift patterns that I was on. Worked really, really well. It meant that I could get some escapism in, whereas I couldn't have even managed to have squeezed in an episode of, say, Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Babylon 5, yeah. whenever it was big at the time. So I did it all, and I finished three weeks before the oh. premiere of Series 1, and the first episode of rose so it's very similar to yours wow. it did take me over five years yeah. but like i say i was i was raising kids i was doing x y and z and that's the only time i've ever done it though i've never gone back and tried it again but i'm i'm getting itchy to do it You, if you know it what yeah just lately I, f- I feel like i should really do that again because now we are in a place where like, i've got all the recons i've got you know because that time i did have to skip certain stories mm so I haven't you could say well you didn't do a proper marathon then but I did as best as I could if you, you know I got a lot I got a lot of the audios I would got what I would got and it still took me five years so I, I have done it there is a certain parallel there to what you've done?
1: I have to be honest, you guys are inspiring me because I've never done it, but now, the more I'm talking, to, got to do it. <laughs> I am thinking now, you know what, what, what I will do here is because because the way that I'm doing it now with the Blu-rays obviously it takes a very long time because I'll watch a story and then it'll take me a couple of weeks just to read everything I can find about it. So what I'm intri- intrigued about trying now, once I've got all the Blu-ray box sets out there and I've done all my reading and research that I want to do, I'll start again because those box sets will be out quicker than we know. We're already halfway through. So it won't be long before I've got all of them. So that's when I will start. I'm going to take up the challenge. I'll do it this time.
0: With me and, and these and these re-watches, you know, I, I do consider it to be a very personal thing. Do you count Sharda, for example, because it wasn't broadcast?
2: Do you count Sharda, Andy? Do you I do. Count? I do. Uh, because it was supposed to be broadcast, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that's the thing. And... Uh, first marathon I did, we had that um, scratchy videotape. I think I had an American videotape version of it, so somehow I must have had some kind of fancy video player with the Tom Baker links, and it never really made much sense. And then the next version I saw was Ian Levine's Sharder, which he did himself with a group of fans um, and did a very credible uh, animation version of it. And then a couple of years later, of course, we got the official, the BBC, Mm Uh, did, the, did the same thing, and we, we have the proper shadow we've got now, which is absolutely, both of those versions, Ian's and the BBC, I hold equally, even though Ian's one doesn't have Tom Baker in it. They are equally good in their own ways, and uh, yeah, I always include shada. I think it's a fantastic story. It's one of my favourites.
0: Because I asked myself these questions before I, I knew I was coming to speak to you. I thought, well, why? It wasn't broadcast. It is a kind of footnote. But it stars Tom Bates, as you say, it was intended for broadcast. Some incredibly motivated, talented, dedicated people have created several versions of this story to suit anyone. So, yeah, pick one, do it, do it.
1: Interestingly, the very, very first version of sharder I saw was, I think it was Ian Levine's original version that he did in 1983 oh, wow. at uh, the Panopticon And I can still remember, on the Saturday night, they they made this big announcement, we have got Sharda. And of course, everybody was just going ballistic because... (gasps) And I'm sure it's Ian uh, Ian Levine that had done this version. So what he'd done is he'd taken just the original, obviously the footage from the studio and the location, and compiled it together in order with with just very brief um, computer-generated cards between saying briefly what the missing footage was. But of course, there was no music. Uh, they were working with the with the, uh, the, the the studio sound, so you could hear occasion you'd hear the directions of the of the um, the, the floor manager etc on there. No sound effects, nothing like that. So I have to be honest, it was quite a tough watch. It was it was you know you, you, your patience was pushed to its limits, but it was a very exciting thing to do. And so I've always had a love of Sharda ever since then because of that initial uh, just excitement. of, Wow, we're going to get to see Sharda
0: the way that we consume this this show i i think obviously the the bulk of it that goes out on on a saturday evening to millions on the on the tv you know it's it's that shared viewing experience like any other tv show but the the geekiness of it where it goes afterwards its extended life with each of us in the fandom i think that you think oh i bet everybody does this but the more you talk to other fans the more you find out that people people have their rituals they sacred cows, the things that they would never do. Like, I'd never fast forward through this, or I'd never do that, or I'd never watch more than this or less than that. We've got all those things. I mean, I found, for example, just the way that I store my DVDs, I've still got all the DVDs, but just the way that I store them just frustrates the hell out of some people when I've shown them pictures of my shelves, because I do store them in broadcast order. But that's uh, Simon's peering at me. I yeah, I, broad- what,
1: what do you mean? How can you store them in any other than <laughs> that annoy people?
0: I store them in broadcast order. But what I do is I start on the bottom shelf from an Unearthly Child and then work my way up rather than no! from the top. <laughs> no! I start from the bottom up and my theory, it drives people mad. People look at me and say, why aren't these in order? Well, they are in order. Because the, and the reason why I did this was I'm not brilliant at DIY by any means. But, you know, I'm, I'm quite imaginative. And quite versatile and resourceful, so I sort of adapted this thing that I got from IKEA and added bits and took bits away, so I could do this. And I, and the series still ongoing at the time. I thought, well, if I want to, I want to stick that down. I want to leave it there, but I wanted you, I want to use the top shelves for something else, for something a bit more ornamental. So I thought, well, this will work, and I can keep adding to it as long as I work my way up from the bottom. I know I'm completely nuts. Get in touch I with me with ideas for therapy nice. for CBT at uh, Instagram and Twitter at Type Forty Doctor Who to help help me with that one. But talking about bookshelves, Andy, in this schedule of everything in the uh, in Doctor Who and all in order, are you going really hardcore? Are you going to pull in? spin-off shows, because they are in continuity, aren't they? Things do dip in out. so are you going to bring in the Sarah Jane adventures and Torchwood and Class and all that other stuff too?
2: I've done bits of that in the past, but I must admit what I will do is I'll watch all of Doctor Who first, and then I'll decide, do I want to do any of the spin-off shows? I've done, I've I've added Torchwood on the end before, I I haven't planned at the moment to, to do anything other than Doctor Who this time, but
0: There are no two-parters like you get in some American shows where part one of it is in Buffy and part two of it is in Angel or from uh, the Six Million Dollar Man to the Bonnet Woman. There's nothing like that that causes a massive conflict. You're you're giving me some dilemmas now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have to be honest, if I was doing what you're doing, Andy, I think it would be inconceivable not to watch Canine and Company because that is just so ingrained in my mind that it happened.
2: I must admit, last time, again, it got tagged on the end, I have to admit.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it would have to fit in between the two for me.
0: That's yeah, because because Where? when we see Sarah in The Five Doctors, she's got canine.
1: Yeah, good points.
0: So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah Andy, I, I, I challenge you. You've what? got to throw canine in <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry Andrew. <laughs> I've, I've got about a year and a half to think it over <laughs> <I get there>.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because yeah i would some of these things do do sort of weigh on my mind i think you know things like like downtime it's characters that were used under license that carry on certain continuities for some of you know sarah Jane's in there so is victoria kate stewart in there as well she turns up later or be played by a different actress I'd find it inconceivable not to watch that now as well, around the time I watched the TV movie. I, I had done that in the past. <laughs> well, if you say you're going with the Doctor Who, the complete history book. Now, that, that was a uh, a title put out as a part work, wasn't it? Partly connected to Doctor Who magazine, I believe. So some of yeah. the material was reprinted, but some of it was new or rewritten. Uh, lovely little sort of slim hardback books, aren't they? Mm.
1: Yeah, it was, it was put out by Panini uh, using the old archives um, that Andrew Pixley compiled of the classic stuff. And then you're right, Dan, it's basically reprints of those, but uh, sometimes just in their entirety, but sometimes augmented with new material that they've found since they've published. And some of those early archives in the magazine were very, very um, thin on the ground, uh, on detail. It, it brings everything together to do with the production side of things.
0: That's Part it. of me wishes that I'd have bought them now. I remember when they were starting I got all sorts of commitments to that I you know it was a very strange place and I thought do I commit my commit to buying these because I knew that I wouldn't be able to get halfway in and stop So I decided not to that time and I do kind of regret it. but one thing that I always have to hand when I'm watching Doctor Who unfortunately again, it's only the classic era but I, I think this is about the best book that I can think of the television Companion that's by uh, David J. Howe. And Stephen James Walker, the official BBC guide to every TV story again there. That's the classic era up to the TV movie. And for me, I can't sort of soak myself in information the way that you've been doing, Simon. It Mm -hmm. it sort of overloads me a a little. I can watch the uh, Blu-ray or DVD features, but I can't do too much reading. I find that there's just enough in here to fill my appetite before i move on to the next story and then i can i might do some more reading afterwards you can see there's a bookmark in there now for something that i'm watching that's for a upcoming edition of type 40 a doctor who podcast everybody and you see it's quite early in the run too so you might be able to work out if not the exact story than the general lay of the land there so i always have that to hand and on the other end we have uh, Paul cornell martin day and keith Chop- Toppings' book the discontinuity guide i think that book's a lot of fun and it's very silly and very frivolous a bit like i am <laughs> and it sort of balances out what i get in there but i'd love an updated one of both either of these for the new series obviously these end in 1996 so you're out of luck when it comes to the rtd upwards stuff but those that that's what i find it indispensable
2: i guess we get the same frustration now with the with the complete history because obviously that stopped at the end of capaldi and uh so did doctor who <gasps> I, 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 buy the odd, I buy the odd, I buy the odd issues of Doctor Who magazine that interest me, which is mainly about the new stuff. And they did, Andrew Pixley is still doing these little snippet archives of each series, so I've got a couple of the magazines for the two Joe Gen- Whitaker series, and they go in next to the complete history, so it carries on in some, you know, you, it's never going to be complete if the show's ongoing.
0: You've got a family, you're married, you've got kids. When you explain to them what you're doing, do they just leave you to it or do they do they shrug and say, oh, not again? What's the kind of reaction?
2: Well, my son's a big Doctor Who fan now anyway, so I, I got him into a four. He's 28 now, so he's off He's off doing his own marathon for the first time ever. I'm pleased. Good at that. man. He, he lives 100 miles away. He's taken him a long time to do it, but he started, <laughs> where's where he up to? I think he's up to uh, near the end of Colin Baker and he started <laughs> doing like that. So it's taken him about three years, but he's doing it. So I'm really pleased to hand that legacy yeah. on. But my wife, yeah, she's just absolutely perplexed. And uh, I say, right, okay, I'm off to watch my show. I've I've got this projector in another room, so I'll go and sit in the other room. I say, I'm watching my show now. And then we start the evening after I've watched my show. So she's used to it. I've been doing it for for years.
0: (laughs) But as you say, this time, as well as having your copy of the programme guide as your constant companion, you are sharing this journey on social media, aren't you?
2: I've got a little Twitter account and I was just going to put it on there. And I, I, Ian had just, Ian Levine had started off this new Facebook group, uh, you know, for people to have access to him. And he just said to me, no, please post everyone on there. I said, well, are you sure people are going to want to know? I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And yeah, the, the reaction has been really nice, actually. You know, you just you stick a story on there and people say, well, oh, that's one of my favourites or I don't like it or whatever. And uh, a nice thing to do actually no doctor who for me i've never really been that involved with fandom or anything at all and for a lot of people i'm sure it's an intensely private thing so for me to start sharing what i'm doing with doctor who out there is 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 an alien concept to me because it's always been quite private well yeah it's, it's so far so good
0: because you know history would have it, Simon. It's not the sexiest hobby to have, is it And the idea of squirreling yourself away huddling down with a couple of episodes of something from decades past when you know playlists are filling up with these amazing new shows that get people talking and that are advertised on the size of buzzes and and that Netflix is sort of encouraging us to watch with the startup menus and think all that's there to to grab our attention with a look at this new flashy thing but yet here's Doctor Who in four three with Dudley Simpson's music, uh, it's so seductive. A lot of people rule out the black and white stuff just on principle, don't they? It's such a shame.
1: I get it. I can understand why, you know, young people of today that, that, that are brought up on Netflix and Amazon Prime series and that kind of stuff, I get why they might tune into, you know, Aaronis <laughs> and think, what the heck is going on here? But I think it's a real shame... If they do pass it by i mean i can still remember when i when i first tuned in for an unearthly child in 1981 in the five faces season and i remember uh, how old was i at the time about 13 something like that. i remember my my parents saying you know look be prepared for this this it's going to be really creaky it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> it's not like the doctor who you're used to now having watched you know tom baker um so i came to it very very nervous of what it was going to be like and of course they were right it is creaky it's very old-fashioned it's nothing like the doctor who that i had been watching um up until that point through through the sort of the um, the john purdway and certainly the latter tom baker years and yet i was absolutely entranced and 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 it didn't matter that it was old and creaky i loved it and was as excited by it, just as much as any of the colour stuff that I've been watching, um, and and in comparison with let's say season eighteen that it came straight on the back of, it looks things like an unearthly child and the crotons look very very unsophisticated and poor, and yet I loved it. It never occurred to me that this was creaky. And black and white. I found
0: and- watching that first story very strange because I watched the Five Faces season two with the crotons. I think even though it was in black and white, it was still recognisably the same show then. TARDIS lands, Companions Doctor, exit and the adventure kind of begins. And, you you know, you know who are the black hats and who are the white hats. So I found that quite reassuring. But, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean.
2: I, I, just all these memories come flooding back from the five Faces of doctor i think the thing to for me from that is i Tim, and i'm sure it was the same for you these were just um people on the target book covers and you could actually see the. not <laughs> i'll never forget oh my god i'm watching the second doctor yeah can't get over that even you know the emotions just come flooding back there were there were good days.
1: That, that, that's all I'll say. And it's a shame for anybody, but I get it that we were we were spoiled with that Five Faces season. It was mind numbing, as you say, to think that we were going to watch Patrick Troughton. Whereas for kids these days, bless them, if everything does, as we're saying at the top of this show, if everything does suddenly become available for binge watching on iPlayer, it simply won't have. I don't think the same misty eyed attraction that it had for us when it was something that
0: we never
2: Absolutely. thought to... we had we had, to, we had to work so hard to get our bit of uh, Doctor I, Who. Yeah, I agree. I think it's that, <laughs> anti-
0: that anticipation, that looking at the release dates oh. in Doctor Who magazine of what tape was coming out when or TV Zone or whatever.
2: I, I, I don't know about you, but I used to actually handwrite letters into WH Allen saying, why have you deleted these books? I'm desperate for these books. It took me years to hunt down a copy of, as it was, Doctor Who and the Doomsday Weapon. It was, it was hard work, but very memorable.
0: <laughs> they don't know they're born, do they? Absolutely. They don't know they're born. Now, maybe we can expand your mind and fill up your playlist. Here's some more now after a connecting call with Kev. As uh, as always, he he's willing to tempt you with other engrossing, fun and portable podcasts covering all your favourite franchises and breaking geeky news courtesy of the Fandom Podcast Network you could end up finding your next essential listen here and now andy and simon will be back in a couple of minutes too so don't go anywhere
3: thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying this podcast here are the other great shows on the fandom podcast network Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our fandom flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock hair metal podcast we cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s type 40 a doctor who podcast discussing the time traveling doctor who universe lethal mullet an action film podcast covering the 80s 90s and beyond also check out the lethal mullet network for more great podcasts what a piece of junk our star wars podcast making treks a star trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier the fandom show our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom.
0: yes we've teased and tantalized you there or should i say that kev has and we can even clothe you too there's merch to match all of those shows including type 40 just head over to tpublic.com search for the fandom podcast network and that's where you'll find a store full of all the team colors for all of the shows on everything from t-shirts to phone cases tapestries and up seeing is believing treat yourself Treat your other selves. And it all goes to support the Fandom Podcast Network into the bargain. So everybody wins. Andy's still here. He's not snuck off to get an episode in. (laughs) We've retained his interest for a little while longer. And uh, yeah, we're here talking about about his big challenge to, to get through an entire marathon of not just classic Doctor Who or just new Doctor Who, but absolutely everything between now and whenever. Andy, I don't mind telling you that there are certain points when I've done this in the past, or even when I've just done season by season, like you were saying, Simon, through a new box set, there are bogey eras that I've got that I, I go at them really, really fast and, and hard. I go at them with the best of intentions, but I flag and, and I drop the ball a little. In my case, it's the Pertwee era. Too many 6 parties with a bit too much fat on for me. Sorry, everybody. But this is the thing, isn't it? It depends on who you are. So I've got that as my bogey era. Have you got any times in the show where you do, you have to sort of power yourself through them?
2: As, as time goes on, and, and uh, history heals, I find. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> probably no great as, as with a lot of fans, I really struggled with Sylvester McCoy's first season when it was first broadcast, even though that was the first one I taped off the TV and I probably watched it more yeah. than any other. I enjoy it because it's, it's such a short run and my appreciation grows every time I watch it. Colin Baker, I must admit that's the only time from 1971 I did not watch the Trial of the Time Lord on broadcast. I'd left Doctor Who for a year at that point. I came back for Sylvester McCoy, so I didn't actually see Trial of the Time Lord until the little TARDIS uh, video uh, cassette box came out. And that was quite exciting for me because I got that for a Christmas present. It's like brand yeah. new Doctor Who. Doctor Who was off the air and I've got new Doctor Who, so... It was exciting for me in those lean years to have some new Doctor Who to watch. I I struggled
1: through the McCoy years just because of the stories, nothing to do with Sylvester, just didn't like the stories. Uh, And I must be honest, I stopped watching. The Happiness Patrol pretty much finished me off for for a while, I'm afraid. But there must, within, within the whole run, there must be points when you know a certain story's coming up in your watch that you really struggle with.
2: Well, it's funny because I've thought that previously, and then I sit down, probably with a bit more concentration or understanding. I've, one of one of the traditional ones which fans struggle with is probably Underworld. So that would be one. You watch it again, you think, okay, relax. And Warriors Gate was another one because it's kind of a bit all over the place. But relax, sit back, let it flow over you. And I, so I don't really have one that I'd read again. I can understand the the perk we comment that Dan made. Uh, ambassadors of death heresy to some i know but it's, a, it's it can be a mental challenge but i find it quite easy to get over that and in some ways i appreciate the stories that i'm not looking forward to more than the ones that i really love and i am looking forward to it's such a that's, thing that that often that's
0: no that started to happen to me recently i mean from what i've just said about the pertwee era a couple of years ago, I set myself a challenge of watching a, f- a few stories from different eras that I wasn't so keen on or familiar with. Underworld was one. I'd only ever seen that story once before. No, no twice, sorry. And it, it had sort of left no impression on me at all. So that was one of them. But uh, another one was The Mutants, a, a six part yes. first week story. Oh, oh God, I this go is. Only that. But i really really enjoyed it i got a lot out of it i said because i think when we like something a doctor who story we overlook certain production values and if it performances if something is compelling us to see what happens next Uh, and i'd never got that with the mutants until that watch and that's really got me thinking now the next time i come back to it just as you said andy what will i find in either another pertwee story or in one of the other stories, maybe from the Troughton era, or mm. even a couple of the Tom Baker stories that I'm less fond of, what will it unlock that I hadn't seen before?
2: There's one that I'm absolutely dreading, and it's a long way off, but I've, I've seen it twice now, and uh, I'm sure many fans will agree, but it's like, it's going to be right near the end of my run. It, but it might not be near the end, because we're talking of a couple of years' time, Legend of the Sea Devils.
0: Oh. Oh. I've had to watch that three times in the last 12 oh. months for this show. Oh. oh
2: yeah. <laughs> I I, 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 no, I
1: have Shocking. to be honest that I do take my hat off to you because because yeah the Chris Chibnall era I could never ever watch an episode a second time I watched them all oh,
0: I very much doubt that I will revisit this era ever again under any circumstances. It's so far in the rearview mirror. I'm happy to leave it.
3: Time does heal.
1: Likewise, oh, then, man. Andy, are there stories that are, that you just really are looking forward to rewatch? I know they would be with me.
2: I'm not really. I'm, I'm quite present-focused in that I don't... Because, as I said at the very start of this podcast, I think, for me at the moment... It's all about William Hartnell. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody else being the doctor. This is the yeah. great thing about doing it in this way. He, he is the doctor. He's going to be the doctor for a while. I dread to think of him ending. I don't look forward to the stories. I just focus on, I don't even really think about what's coming. I, I don't even try and think about more than one or two ahead. So that, that's what the amazing thing is, is, is that you just cannot imagine somebody else being the doctor when you are when you get that immersed in the in the marathon and then it changes and it's new and it's exciting and here's a question for you I'm not (laughs) sure whether you have have
1: um, been indulging in the blu-ray box sets but if you have what happens when a new box set comes out you're obviously going to restrict yourself and not watch that new blu-ray box set I'm guessing
2: uh you're right I must admit I've got to be a little bit naughty there I'm planning to get them all Kind of when they're all out, I haven't nice. got any of them yet. Oh, um, no again, it's a pers- this is this highly personal yeah. thing again, isn't it? I'm finding it as the years go by, I'm finding it harder to watch the extras and the interviews with people that are gone. Okay, uh, there's that sort of disconnect there, and it becomes a bit sad. And yeah. but where, where I do struggle in my marathons is when new who comes on, because of course you want to watch the new stuff, but you might be bogged down in the middle of the key to time or something. Yeah. Um, but but of course, you want to watch the new stuff. So I have to I have to break then and watch new episodes as and when they're broadcast, of course. <laughs> Do you think there will come any
1: point at all in the middle of this where you'll kind of think, what am I doing? Why am I doing this
2: again?
1: Or do you think you will stay yeah, there
2: because that's not like one of my one of my favourites has always been, as with many people, the pyramids of Mars. And I must that's one of the ones last time I felt I've 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 glossed over this a bit. And that was the one, you know, as a child, it really affected me and yep. loved it, loved it, loved it. And I, I whizzed through it last time. I thought I've not really taken okay. it in the wow factor wasn't here. there. So so this time around, I've already made a mental note. When I get to the pyramids of Mars, I'm gonna Try and pretend I'm this 11 year old kid again, and not be, you know, taken in. So, is, yeah. is there
1: any, is there any point at all where where you kind of think you wish you could watch these fresh again? Because this is certainly something that I get that the more I watch those old stories, it's not to say that some of the love goes for them, but you just become so familiar with yeah. them yeah. that you just stop appreciating them because you're jaded. Do you get that as well, Andy?
2: Well, I do a little bit, and but I do the same thing with music, where you've obviously got songs where you'd know every lyric and almost every drum beat or guitar riff or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And with music, I focus in on something I might not have listened to before, whether it's a bassliner. I think with Doctor Who it might be the same thing, where I'll look for something, whether it's the scenery or the way it's shot or the locations, just to think of something to take me out of my comfort zone yeah. To, to try and keep that appreciation pressure. It's a hot, you're right, it's a hard thing to do. And that may be why I've struggled last time with *Pyramid of Mars, because it is one of those where I read I read the Target novel till it fell apart in my hands, watched it on broadcast. I had the videotape. and But, yeah, it's, it's trying to mentally refresh yourself before you watch it, because otherwise it just becomes watching it by rote, doesn't it, which is no
0: fun. I think for me there is still as well a novelty in the fact that I'm able to do this that it's all there in one form or another. Several forms, come to think of it, you know, we heard about Russell T Davies. They're pushing for it to come to iPlayer, and I, I get that. But there, there are these Blu-rays coming out, the best part work series in history, I, I think, certainly in, in the geek spheres. We've got those coming out. We've had the DVDs. We've had the videos. We've got the Target books and everything else that's that's come along, you know, script books and all manner of things. It's all there in a way that it hasn't ever been been before and for me i mean i've said this before for me at the moment the classic series seems more alive certainly than i can ever remember there's more people talking about it more of it's becoming more commercially available is they're finding new ways to i don't want to use the word exploit it explore it and to reoffer it i suppose to kind of resell it and endure these very oldest of stories and to me andy That means that even though this is that little 25 minute show that used to be after the football results in the 60s and the 70s and little creaky 4-3 TV on a budget of next to nothing, that means that it's not just us, that this is worth more than the average TV show. This, This is of great value. It's more than worthwhile scheduling these return trips over and over and over again throughout our lives. If we get something new back from it, brilliant, but Going back to a happy place, too, there's a lot to be said for that. And I don't think there's anything infantile about that at all. It can help get us through some really challenging times in life, can't it?
2: Absolutely, yeah. And certainly, um, you know, in the early days of some of my marathons and when I was commuting long distances to work, it's a perfect switch off, you know, after a long, stressful day, coming and put Doctor Who on, you're instantly a kid again. And, and yep. I think your, your other point was good. It's, the, it's I never take it for granted uh, and I think that that's got to be an age thing, definitely, is we we remember how, I, you know, I sit there and watch the Daleks and I think, oh, my God, I'm actually watching, you know, mm. with, the Cardinal, with the Daleks, the second story ever. I can't believe this. It's It it still doesn't seem real all these years later. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'll never touch it <laughs> for granted and always appreciate it.
1: I think the other thing that I've noticed really following on from what you were saying, Dan, is I do think that there is um, an unexpectedly... Uh, robust respect for the classic years that never really existed before. From the point of view of, you know, when we were all growing up, you were still seen as the geek and it was still seen as that quaint little show that if you liked it, you were a little bit strange. Whereas (laughs) I do feel now um, within fandom, there is a renewed respect for the old, for for, for the heritage of the old show. Um, it's certainly not something that is being uh, brushed under the carpet as kind of the footnote of of what is now clearly, in their opinion, a much better series. That that attitude doesn't really exist. But also within within the general public, there is a renewed love and respect for the show that sniggering behind your hands at the supposedly shaky sets and the, and the, uh, and, and the cardboard spaceships seems to have dimmed somewhat now. Yeah. And people, you don't really hear that rhetoric quite as much as you used to.
0: Simon, I think the criticism used to be, and I think this is the same with all vintage movies as well as TV and, and entertainment is, oh, it's dated. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And? you don't hear that quite so much these no, days. No, no, you don't. I think entertainment passes through a time because people are now talking about things from the from the north from the nineties certainly, or the noughties. Oh, it's so dated. Have you heard that Venga Boys track from two thousand and two? Oh, it's so dated. So that sort of moved on to that time now. And the things that that are of a time from before are kind of being enjoyed, being embraced again for what they are rather than for what they're not. And yeah. there's a sense of sort of, oh, bless them, this is the best that they could do, which is a little patronising. I think it's more than that. I think it's genuine affection, real yeah. appreciation, yeah. and a, a willingness to step back into that world because without that, there is no legacy. And the legacy of Doctor Who is something that does seem to keep paying back over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that reflected no better than in the adapting, the readapting of Bernard Lodge's, original diamond logo there from the mid 70s that we've seen put in place just before the 60th anniversary i think that's that's an assertion of values and of the worth of this brand what it's been before what it could be again fortified by this somehow by this this seal this stamp of everything that the last 60 years has been leading to that if not, the who's to say if the best is yet to come or not, but something new is to come and everybody's invited again. And this is a big turnaround from perhaps how other production teams in the recent past have, have looked at it. So there's reassurance there too that everybody's invited.
1: I think I think the other thing that sort of strikes me with, with this is, and I've thought this before now, uh, how lucky I am. And I think, Andy, this absolutely reflects in what you're doing with this marathon at the moment. How lucky I am. That my favorite television program of all time is so accessible, so loved by so many other people. You know, you could have ended up falling in love with, oh, I don't know, the, the new adventures of Robin Hood or something like that. that, that <laughs> There's no love for out there that nobody else really shares your affection for. And so that that always strikes me how lucky I am to have fallen in love with this show. Of all shows, because if, if it wasn't that, Andy, you probably wouldn't be able to do what you are doing because the episodes that you're now watching simply probably wouldn't have been as successful as they are.
2: No, absolutely. And, and, and as, as we all know, there is so much uh, archive television missing because there was not the love for a lot of those other programmes and a lot of them are missing in their entirety. Right. Um, so, yeah, we, we know that too well because of people like Ian Levine, who were the earliest of those pioneers in wanting to Absolutely. save. And hang on a minute, these these stories that I watched as a kid, they must be still out there. I want to get hold of them. I want to see if there's any way that I can ever see them again. And it was that, that determination from, from people like him in, yeah. in, the, in the 70s that, that helped maintain the archive we've got today, or we'd be in a lot worse state. Actually, <laughs> I've
1: said this before now, and I've ended up in quite heated debates with people over this very issue that that we have Ian, and people like Ian, but let's be honest, Ian was the first one that highlights the fact that these things need rescuing and... The
0: idea that they were heritage.
1: Yeah, yeah well, well, well... Cultural heritage. Yes, yes. Probably from Ian's point of view, I don't know. It, it would be almost selfishness on his Absolutely, part.
2: Absolutely, yeah. The the Ian would admit that, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: that's right. And so, you know, I, I, I've literally ended up as saying a heated debate with people about, oh well, yeah, but he didn't actually save them. It was it was Sue Malden that actually saved them. I like, yeah, but without Ian, yeah, they wouldn't have been saved. And so, like, you you were saying a few minutes ago, you can't believe it when you sit down and you're able to watch. The Daleks, mm. and something that I always think when I'm watching those very, very earliest of shows is, wow, yeah, we wouldn't be watching The Daleks if it wasn't for Ian Levine. Yeah, um, yeah and I must
0: admit, I, I always give Ian a passing thought, when, particularly yeah. when I watch that story. <laughs> Doctor Who reaches its 60th anniversary on the 23rd of November, 2023. Uh, who knows what's coming our way, Andy? Aside from those uh, three specials that have been confirmed, we're hearing various rumblings about other things to come before and obviously we know generally what's coming after a brand new Doctor a brand new companion, are you looking forward to seeing Shooter Gatwa and Millie Gibson enter the TARDIS in uh, a Christmas this year, Christmas 2023?
2: Oh absolutely, yeah Um, I I think the thing that excites me the most is um, Russell's T. Davies has proven over and over again what he can do. He he understands not just what makes Doctor Who tick, uh, but he understands what the public like and what will reach a wider audience. I think and I hope, and that I think that's what we've lost a bit uh, gradually downwards. I think
0: um, they took the audience for granted a little. I think that even hap- was happening in Stephen Moffat's yeah, time so they, they would, would always come back. But you can split the seasons. You can do. You can change the time of year. Change yeah. the time of night. People will always find it. And I do think that when you do that for, for so long, you know, you're bound to... I, I think, to it, I think it became...
2: I mean, this is just my view. I think it became more for us, the fans, and yeah, our, the wider public just switched off. The numbers got smaller and smaller over the last six or seven years, I think, because of that. There's always been peaks and troughs. Yeah. But, but, but if, any, if anyone can get us back to 8 to 10 million viewers, it's it's Russell T Davies. Because I, I, just, I just think he understands that he's got that finger in... Not just Doctor Who, but also um, with the general public and what people will like.
1: And also, I I do think in the wider picture, I just think Doctor Who uh, is... Well, it it is a genuinely unique thing on British... Well, on world television, it is a genuinely unique product. That uniqueness is what is always going to carry it through. Eventually, you know, in the darkest days of the of the late night of the 90s we thought we would never ever see back but it did resurrect itself and i genuinely think that that is partially thanks to just the uniqueness of 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 its nature it's too special a property to ever to ever disappear yeah yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) I'm tempted to start my marathon watch this evening. <laughs> Go for it. It'll, it'll probably pass, but I'll let you know how I get on. I'll, I certainly am looking at doing that in the not-too-distant future. Maybe I'll start it on the 23rd of November. I don't know. But that's the, that's the old girl starting up and calling time on another edition of Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast. I'll be back with another one soon. Look out for that wherever you found this. It could have been on the dedicated home feed for Type 40 at type40.podbean.com. Maybe we rolled up on the podcatcher of your choice. Could have been on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Play, Amazon Music, PodBay, or the Podbean app itself. We're also on YouTube, on the Spacebook YouTube channel. And we're still on the fabulous Fandom Podcast Network's own master feed that's loaded up with so many treats for your ears, never mind on the weekly. They've got it coming to you on the daily. There at the FPN. If you consider a trip sideways in time, maybe you'd like to have your say on all of this. You can reach out to us through our social media, Instagram and Twitter at Type Forty Doctor Who. Email us Type Forty Doctor Who at gmail.com And if you're feeling particularly brave, <laughs> and you fancy some real time extra dimensional chit chat. You can join us in the Type 40 Facebook group. Head over to Facebook, enter Type 40 into the search field and there you'll find our social media group that's full of regeneration upon regeneration's worth of Doctor Who fans all talking about classic Doctor Who and reliving those black and white days, the 25-minute days that we were talking about earlier on, all the way through new Doctor Who there and anticipating what's to come in all new Doctor Who with Shooter Gatwa and Millie Gibson there from next year onwards we can hardly wait maybe you're the same Andy people can follow your quest on social media you were saying but do you do you tweet you do you gram where can people read more of this and maybe sort of watch along with you if they want to
2: oh thanks yeah um well I do have a Twitter account it's Andy LaRock which is as it's spelled Andy LaRock R-O-C-K yeah. um made talk about music on there but it'd be nice to have a few Doctor Who people on there and, and uh, what you touched about about um uh, Why do people from the public? These people aren't Doctor Who fans that follow me on Twitter, and they're all loving my Doctor Who posts and talking about it. So it just shows you that 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 old stigma's gone, dead and buried. Talking about it on Ian Levine's Facebook group as well. So, so
0: okay. you're you're even reaching the not we with. Oh, I remember that one. Or was that the one with this? Or was that the exactly. one? Exactly. Well, I had, I had a
2: bizarre one the other day. I think it was when I talked about it was the keys of Maris and somebody just popped up and said, Oh. Pirate Planet—that's a good one. But it's, it's funny—you just get people throwing <laughs> things out like that, you know, completely out of the question. Oh, oh yeah, I'll get there in about a year and a half,
0: you know. There <laughs> <laughs> we are. That's that's the broader reach and the and the power of the show. That cultural yeah. resonance that that stays with people, Simon, isn't it? Where can people find you on social media, Simon? You're. Yeah, yeah, you can can
1: find me, come and have a chat on the Hoonetics page, where I'm uh, the admin on that on Facebook. Yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as the space book where i'm wheezing and groaning ranting and raving about all things geeky both inside and outside of the tardis with a little bit of real life thrown in there now and again when the mood takes me when i absolutely have to come back to reality andy we'd love to have you back at some point in the future maybe a progress report yeah, on, on how you're getting absolutely. on Absolutely. yeah give, give me a shout you know
2: where i am love to
0: <laughs> <laughs> i do hope that you enjoy it as much as you as you have On the earlier marathons, and yeah, you find something something new in these classic adventures and the new stuff too. But yeah, you've been great company, so thanks for your time. Leave us some questions, maybe for Andy in the comments section, and I'm sure we'll pass them on to him and come and answer them for you. And and little personal things about any marathons that you may have done or maybe you're thinking of doing them too, just like I am after this edition of the show. But that's it for this time. Thank you, gentlemen, and thanks for listening we always have the time if you have the space here at type 40 we'll speak to you all again soon you take care bye bye